0: You are listening to Church at the Oaks podcast, where we exist to send disciple makers of Jesus by being disciple makers of Jesus. For more information about our church, such as services, upcoming events, or how to join a group, please visit us at churchattheoaks.com. the beginning of the year, um, which means we're all supposed to have a bunch of resolutions and things. Um, I'm pretty sure that's what it means, right? That how many of you have already been like, you've, you've got some, you've done some work, like you've done some reflections, you've done something, at least working towards some resolutions. Like just, you want to be honest about that. I'm not going to make fun of you, I promise. Like, yeah, it's like, okay. Yeah. I mean, I have, I spent some time yesterday and I spent about an hour like reflecting on the year and thinking it through and what I want to see growth in, if i don't see some changes, some areas and trying to kind of identify what that stuff is. And if you haven't done that, I'm sure maybe you're going to at least intend to, and maybe you make a resolution to do that and then never actually get around to it because that's what we do with resolutions. Right. And so I I think for me, when I was thinking about it, I was like, all right, there's a few things that I I might want to do differently than I planned to do this past year. But largely, I think, I don't know, I'm just being honest with you here. A lot, a lot of what I came up with, I could have just copy and pasted from last year. Right. It's the same thing I just I want to get up earlier. I want to spend more time with the Lord in the morning. I want to work out consistently and I want to hang out with my wife and my kids more, but somehow get more done at work. I'm not really sure how that's going to work. And this is like, just more. I just want to be better at everything, right? That's how a lot of my resolutions end up going. So I have to pare back and think it through and really come back to, you know, what is the Lord calling me into? What is the Lord calling me out of? And maybe kind of give him some of my plans instead of just make my own because on my own, I'll just run myself ragged. So I don't know how your stuff has been going, but I stopped like this, this week I was working this through and I stopped and I thought, all right, what is it that I need to hear heading into a new year? And with like the, all the resolution stuff and all the plans that we intend to make and the whole fresh start stuff, and we're going to be better, we're going to do more, we're going to be different, we're going to lose 700 pounds, like whatever, like the, all the things that we intend to do, what do I need to hear? Walking into that to, to be where the Lord's calling me to be, not where I'm calling me to be. So if you're, if you're a believer in the room, probably if you were to sit down and make some plans and make some goals, some of those things would, a lot of those things would probably be attached to your walk with Christ. If you're a Christian and that's your core identity, that's who you are, then a lot of your plans are going to kind of center around the person of Jesus. And so maybe there's some things in there that you just want to know him better, just like walk with him in a more close and abiding relationship, right? Maybe that's part of that. Maybe there's some sin issues and some things that you're wanting to step out of and kind of leave behind and the Lord deliver you out of. And I think that's an incredible thing. Maybe there's some, some ways that you're trying to move into this life that you, when you, we talk about Scripture, we read Scripture, we see this life that he's inviting us into, this life of abundance. And I want to step into that. Maybe move in towards this life that he created for me instead of a life I had for myself. I mean, there's struggle or turmoil or things that you're wanting the Lord to be able to speak peace into and walk in this, this more sustainable way without the anxiousness and without some of the frustration, right? I think that's probably a lot of us. So as we head towards those things, we're thinking through those things, wanting to see change in our lives. Where do we start? What do we need to hear? I don't think I need another six-step plan or 14-step process or something. I've gotten so many emails this past week from like every leadership guru on the planet. It's like, Hey, if you do these 37 things, well, your life will be better this next year. I'm like, if I do those 37 things, I need to quit my job and like not have kids anymore to do any of them. That's not, it's not sustainable. It's not possible. I need something simple. I don't want 17 steps. I don't even want three steps. I just want a, some simplicity from the word of God to guide me into a new year. So I thought about that, I started looking through scripture, started meditating on some, some passages, and, and I landed on one that has been, had a, a lot of impact on me the last few years, it's just John chapter 15. So if you've got a copy of God's Word, we're going to be in John chapter 15 for the next few minutes together, and just trying to look for this, this simple idea, of as we're stepping into a new year, wanting to see some change, wanting to see some growth, if we could just have some simple guiding principles for how to do that in a biblical and God-honoring kind of way, all right? So, as God often does, that's exactly what He does. He makes incredibly complicated things simple. So, if we want to see God change our lives, if we want to see God change the lives of people around us, if we want to see this, like a movement of God through our church, if we want to see all that stuff happen, what do we do? John chapter 15, beginning in verse 1, it says this I'm the true vine. My Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that doesn't bear fruit, He takes away, but every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes that it may bear more fruit. He said, already you're clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. So abide in me and I in you. As the branch can't bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That's kind of it. It's not a multi-step plan. There's no marketing scheme. There's no journal you have to buy or anything. It's just, it's just that. What if it were just that simple? If I wanted to see real change, if I wanted to draw near to, to God in a new and fresh and abiding way, like if, I, if, it just, if it was just this simple. I've been praying this passage for, for years for myself, and I'm, I'm different. Like my life is different because I've just been trying to do this. So what I want to do together this morning, is briefly, I want us to break this passage down, like take it out to its components and make sure that you understand it so that you can maybe walk this thing out in the next few months ahead, all right? So at the beginning, he says, there's, there's really this one one." Um, command that overrides the whole passage It's this word abide. Now you don't use the word abide a lot, but essentially it just means to be plugged into. Okay, like when your Christmas lights, like one string doesn't work because it wasn't plugged in all the way. That that's not abiding. Okay, abiding means plugged into, connected with, and like a branch on a vine. So if you've got a vine and there's going to be a branch on that vine that's going to bear fruit and you know live right, it's got to be completely connected. It can't be bent. It can't be torn off partly. It's got to be deeply, you know, deeply rooted in the rest of the vine. That's what abide means, right? And so in verse one, Jesus says, I'm that vine. I'm the vine. Like I'm, I'm the, I'm the source. I'm, I'm like the real like power. The, the life comes from me. Like I'm, I'm the vine and you guys are going to be the branches. And he says, my father, my father, now the father's the vine dresser, So you've got two two components here. You've got a vine, and Jesus is that vine, and the vine dresser, the one who's going to take care of that, who's going to cultivate, that's the father. That's the stage. So then verse 2 says, every branch in me that doesn't bear fruit, the vine dresser, he says he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, it says he prunes it so it'll bear more fruit. Okay, so it's a bit about branches that don't bear fruit. Like if you're a part of a vine, like if you're a branch that's actually a part of a vine, you're going to bear the same fruit as the rest of the vine right? If you're actually, if you're a branch that's connected to a vine, if you're a branch on a tree, you're going to, you're going to have the life of that tree in you, right? So when this is, this is basically Jesus talking about somebody who claims Christ, but doesn't actually have a relationship with him. These branches that aren't, that aren't really a part of the vine. This is somebody who would claim to have a relationship with Jesus that would claim to be a Christian that would claim to be a believer, but not actually know Jesus, not actually be following Jesus in a life giving kind of way. It's a name only thing. You can say you're a part of the vine, but you're not actually a a part of it. You can claim to be a part of it when you're not actually there. Somebody who isn't following him, isn't being changed by him. Christ really isn't their Lord. Like they're still the Lord of their life. It's not Jesus. It's still them. They're still the person in charge. They know about him. They may know a lot about him, but are they following him? No. So in the South, there's a lot of us. There's a lot of people who would claim Christ, but not actually be following him. That's one of the biggest things that we have up against us and being a church in the South is that there's this, there's a really prevalent cultural Christianity that says that if you are around Christianity, if you're born into Christianity, if your parents were Christians, then like, and you sh- show up at church sometimes and do some Christian things, that's what it means to know and follow Jesus. And that's just not what you see in scripture. That's one of the biggest things that we're up against: is, is trying to communicate that faith is what saves you. Trusting Christ as your Lord and Savior is what saves you. Walking with Him, being changed by Him, allowing Him to lead and guide your life—not you. That's a faith that's saving. A faith that says, "I'm, I'm a, I, I, I'm, I'm with them." Like I've, I've, I, 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 knowing Jesus in name only, like claiming Him but not actually following. That's not a faith that saves. So that's, if that's you, my, my, my prayer for you first, before we go any further in this passage, my prayer for you is that you would come to know and follow Jesus, not just know and name him. Right. So if one thing at all, like say, like, I, I mean, but I, 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 I have familiarity, familiarity. Is that how you say that word? I think that's right. With, with, a, with a person, it's a different thing to know him deeply. And so if, if there's a, something in you that says, like, listen, I know, I've known a lot about Christ my whole life. I've, I've, I've got the story. I understand how all this, this transpired, but it's, he's not the Lord of your life. You haven't tried, like, you're not following him. You're still following yourself. Then that's a very legitimate question that we got to ask ourselves: Am I actually a Christian or do I just claim to be? All right. So first he says that every branch that doesn't bear fruit is going to be removed, but the branches that do bear fruit. what does he say about those? It says that the father prunes them So that they'll bear even more fruit. Now, okay, I'm no gardener. We have a garden in our backyard. Uh, I think maybe calling it a garden is an overstatement. Like it's, it's some boards that are in a rectangle and then we just dump some stuff in there and then some things grow sometimes. They never produce anything that's worth eating, all right? We grew some little, like, uh, those little sweet peppers. They weren't sweet. They tasted like grass. They were terrible, all right? And so, like, we, never, we don't eat anything out of our garden, but our kids like to play in it and stuff, and so, like, we're like, I don't know, man. Throw some bird seed in there and see what happens, and you get weird flowers mixed in there with the cucumbers, and it's, it's just a mess, but it's fun, all right? And so, I'm not a gardener, but I do know, like, this whole concept of pruning, like, that's a real and essential practice, all right. So if you if you have to prune something really when pruning is needed is when things get overcrowded When there's too much going on in that little rectangle garden of mine, you have to prune some stuff, take some things out, you shorten some stuff up that's going wild to, to make space for what you're actually trying to get accomplished. Like my family has uh, some land out near Gordo. If you don't know where Gordo is, it's the definition of the middle of nowhere and it's uh, weird, right? the lands not even like in Gordo, it's like near it. So it's like a suburb of nowhere. That's where this land is. And so my great grandparents, like that was their land. That's where my granddaddy grew up. And so my parents own it now. And it's this big chunk of land out there that, you know, it's just flat and there's just nothing. We don't even I mean, nobody's out there. It's just it's just for fun, right? And so um, about twenty-five years ago, they my my grandparents they had it cut for timber. And so they cut all the trees down on it and they did, you know, timber stuff, and they drug all the the, the logs away and it was just cut bare. And so the, the the people that cut it, they came back and they planted pines on it. And so they planted a bunch of pine trees. There was no like pattern or anything to this. It was just, let's plant as many pine trees on this land as we possibly can. And just we're out. And that's what they did. So they planted just tons and tons of little pine trees. They're everywhere. Just all these little pine trees packed in there real tight together. And the, the idea was that the, the strong would survive, I guess, or something. But in that, in that, what actually happened was they all survived. So there's just like, tons and tons of little trees. Like you can't walk through it. It's just all these little spindly little pine trees that are 25 years old, but they look like they're five years old. All of them are like 15 feet tall. They're little baby pine trees. These things are 25. I don't know what the rings in. I need to cut one down. Like the rings in there gotta be tiny because like it, they can't grow. There's no space. And so my dad, you know, he's, you know, he's thinking we need, we need to do something with this land we've got. We need to figure out what to do. So he, he called up a forestry guy. He says, hey, man, go, go walk this thing and then tell me what you think we need to do. And the guy calls back and he's like, well, you got a bunch of 25-year-old trees that look like they're five years old and that's not worth anything. And so if you want them to grow and mature, if you want any of it to have any maturity to it, what you're going to have to do is go through and cut down most of it, clear most of it out, drag that out of there so that the ones that you want to keep, that you want to actually grow to maturity, can have the space and the, the light and the, the soil to actually make something happen. And if you don't do that, if you don't, if you don't clear it out, then it's just never going to do anything. It's just going to be this big, nasty bramble out in the middle of nowhere. And so that's what we did. We went the bramble route. And so it's completely unusable. Like, we, nobody can do anything with it. It's just useless land with a bunch of weird, like, undersized trees everywhere out there on it. Okay? I'm not, we're not going to go out there and hang out and have a good time because you literally can't walk through it. So that what we need to do is to go out I, I, every year. Uh, I talk to Doug about it every year. I, I, I go look up how much it costs to rent a bush hog. Because I have this, like, mental aspiration of just doing, like, this manly, like, weekend, you know? Why well, just rent a bush hog? And I just run that thing through there. And I just clear all this junk out. And it's going to be awesome and beautiful out there. And every year for 10 years, I've said I'm going to do it. And so I still haven't done it yet. That's, that's what would have to happen, though, right? And because everything is so tied in there together, it's so overcrowded, nothing can really grow, nothing can really thrive. And so Jesus comes to this, and he says, if you're going to abide in me, if you're going to be a branch that bears much fruit, there's, if you're attached to me, the, the vine dresser's got to come and he's got to do some, some pruning to make sure that we're bearing the kind of fruit that we actually could. Pruning is needed when things are overcrowded. And so if you're a believer, at the beginning of a new year, I think for me and maybe for a lot of us, there's this aspiration that our lives would be meaningful. Our lives would be fruitful for the kingdom. Like our, our, that we, we would see fruit in our kids' lives. We would see fruit in our marriages. We'd see fruit in our friendship and in our church and in our community and our city and the nation of the world. Like we want to see thousands of people come to know and trust Jesus. We, we read the Great Commission every week together because we actually want to see disciple makers raised up out of us to make more disciple makers. This continual flow of people being reached for the gospel and sent out to be kingdom changers all over the world. Like that's what we want to see happen. If we want to see that kind of fruit there's going to probably have to be at least some pruning in all of our lives this year. I know for me, there's, there's some areas of overcrowding. There's some tightness in my life where like, there's just not enough space to do the things that actually matter. The things that I want to see grow to maturity in my life. The things that I want to see develop. The, the relationships that I want to see grow. I don't have time sometimes. Sometimes. There's some overcrowding issues and I need the Lord to do some pruning in my life. I need to have the, the, the faith to trust him to remove some things that are crowding out the things that matter most in my life. And I know you do too. So coming into the new year, we you come to John 15, the first thing that, that's gonna challenge most of us is what are the things that the Lord would prune out of your life to make space for the things that matter most? Are there some overcrowding issues? Are there some things, even some good things they need to be removed to make, make room for the things he's calling you into, the best things. And I can't tell you what those things are. I don't know your life and you don't know mine, but I'm confident there are some things. So maybe even right there as you sit, you want to jot a couple of things down. Like what is, the Lord, what is the Lord going to prune out of my life right now? Even if it's a good thing to make room for the best things. Verse 3, Jesus continues, says, Already you're clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. He's looking at his followers. This is the part of the the, the book of John. It's called the farewell discourse. Jesus is saying his goodbyes to his followers. And he's saying, listen, like your salvation is secure, but there's growth that's yet to come. And he's trying to explain to his followers how this is going to happen to them. And they're not done yet. So he gets to verse 4, and he says, So this is what you need to do. Just abide in me, and I in you. As the branch can't bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Abiding is about connection. It's, a, it's about a shoot clinging to the vine where it gets its life, where it gets everything that it needs. It's about that shoot just trusting in that, that core vine to, to give it everything that it needs, a clinging to, like white knuckle grip kind of clinging. I remember being at the beach, um, with Jessica's family back in high school. It was a long time ago. And, and so I went to the beach. I was the boyfriend that got brought along on the beach trip. You know how that goes. It's a little weird. And, uh, so I was there with Jessica and her mom and dad, Doug and Gwen are there. And like her brother and her sister, and they're younger than her. And we're all there. And, and Doug has this little fishing boat and, and he, he brought the fishing boat. We're going to go fishing together. Right? And so all of us, all, you know, I don't think Gwen came. Gwen was probably smarter. And so the rest of us, we all go out, and he has the boat on the, the intercoastal thing over there. We got a boat slip and stuff. And we get all the gear, and we ride over there, and we drag everything down to the boat the, the, the boat dock thing, the boat slip. And we get to the edge of it, and we look off on, in the water. And I'm not kidding. Like, there were thousands and thousands of jellyfish just, like, packed around the, the, the boat dock like just everywhere, just like nasty. Like if you like put a net in there, you'd pull out like 10. I don't know if there's any water left. They're just on top of each other. I don't know what happened to the current. They just pushed them all in there. And all around this little fishing boat, it's just thousands of like giant, you know, like, Disgusting jellyfish. Like I'll kill you jellyfish. Okay. Like this is not a, you can't stick your hand in the water. You're, it's not going to work out. And so we very carefully, we got all of our stuff and our gear because we can't pick it up. You know, you can't, if it falls out, you're kind of, you're going to get electrocuted. Right. And so we put everything gently in the boat. We did all the thing. We got out there and we got away from the dock and it was fine. And the jellyfish were gone. We went fishing um, and just, you know, do what you do. We didn't catch anything because that's what I do when I go fishing. So we come back. We get back to the dock, and it's Jessica and her dad, and I'm there, and, and, and Jessica's brother's there, and her little sister's there. And so we're carefully getting everything back out of the boat, we're handing over the edge of the boat back onto the dock and moving things down, got everything off. And so Jessica's sister, she volunteered. She's going to be the person to kind of hold the boat because we're picking stuff up, and she's like 14. She's a little thing. And so she's, she's the one that's going to hold on to the edge of the boat, keep it over by the dock. And so I, we get everything out. We're kind of moving it down. We're about to start carrying everything back up the hill. You know, I'm trying to be the helpful, you know, boyfriend to kind of, you know, earn my keep or whatever. And so I turn around and I look and to make sure that we got everything out of the boat. And I look back there and a little 14 year old Rachel who weighs like 60 pounds, right? She's like on her toes out on the edge of the dock and she's got this boat and she's in full Superman, like f- completely horizontal, just like full plank, just like this above a sea of jellyfish. Just, like, you know, like how, just imagine how you would feel if you're a 14 year old and like you'd have to start planking out over a sea of jellyfish hanging onto a tiny fishing boat. She said after like, so I, I run over and I, you know, grab her shirt and I'm trying to like heave this girl back up on the dock and we get her back up on there. And she's like breathing hard and trying not to cry. And she's like, I was having to hold so tight. I couldn't talk, <laughs> you know, like she couldn't say anything. She couldn't say anything. She couldn't ask for help because she was clinging to that thing so tightly that if she breathed, she was going in. So we got her back on there and she got her calmed down. I, I think about that story a lot when I think about this passage. When it says, abide in me and I in you. like I think about this, this desire in my heart, my life, to be clinging, like white knuckle clinging to the Lord. Because if I slip, if I, if I let go of him, if I'm, if I'm separated from him, like what this passage is saying is like, I can't do anything. I can't bear fruit by myself unless I'm deeply abiding in the vine. That's what it says. As the branch can't bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. If you want to see fruit in your life this year, if you want to see real change, if you want to see sin overcome, if you want to see fruit in your family and your kids and our church, if we want to see our city changed, it's not going to come because we work really hard and we paddle real fast or something. It's because we're deeply and consistently abiding in Christ. I want to be found clinging to the Lord this year. I want to desperately cling to Jesus. That's all. I don't want to desperately work in my own power, my own strength to try to produce fruit. I can't squeeze real hard and pop out an apple. That's not going to work. I want to deeply abide in the Lord and see what he can do with that. Jesus goes on to explain in a very real sense, our, our, our life, our, our effectiveness depends on it. Verse five, he says, I'm the vine. You're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. Listen, it's simple. If you abide, you're going to bear much fruit. If you want to see change, if you want to see growth, if you want to overcome sin, if you want to experience that love and joy and peace and patience and kindness that comes from the Lord, like it doesn't come from you trying harder and trying to discipline yourself to fake these things. It just comes from deeply abiding in Him. All that passage is asking of me to do is abide well in Jesus. And then it promises that all the things that I'm wanting to see in my life, all the fruit that I'm wanting to see in my life, comes from that one step. How is fruit produced? How, how are you going to produce fruit this year? Is it, is it from you trying harder and struggling to do a little bit better than you did last year? No. It's just abiding, clinging to Christ and letting the rest take care of itself. And Jesus ends the, the passage this part of the passage with a promise of what will happen if we fail to abide. He says, if apart from me, you can do nothing. What's a branch do if it's cut off from the vine? What's a branch do if it, if it stops consistently abiding in that, that vine? That branch withers and dies, doesn't produce anything. I know there's been seasons of my life when I, when I my, I've, I've haven't been clinging to Christ in the same way, when I haven't been abiding well in Jesus, and I felt my soul like with, like drying up. If you go on to a, spirit, a spiritually dry season... These last few months for me have been like a challenge for me, to like consistently having to push harder to abide well in Christ. Because I've been walking through a season of some spiritual dryness, because there's a lot of overcrowding and there's a lot of stuff going on, and I'm wrestling with that too. If I want to see, if I want to see life, if I want to, if I want to produce fruit, then it just comes from simply abiding well with Jesus. I, I hope that you know some of the practical ways that you can do that. I'm not going to walk through all of those with you this morning. I, I'm confident that you know some of the things, but it, principally and cons- like primarily comes from abiding in the word. Like consistently having a plan to spend time with the Lord to know the word of God deeply and to communicate back with the Lord in prayer. We've got to have those in place. There's a lot of other things that we need to be doing and can be doing, and I hope you're praying through how to do those things, but I've, I've got to know how my time in the Word and prayer is going to happen. So I picked a new Bible reading plan yesterday, so my huddle's doing something, and I'm doing some other stuff on top of that. And So I'm doing the chronological reading plan from Crossway. If you want to Google it, you can read the Bible through with me this year chronologically, but do you have a plan to spend time with the Lord, to abide well in Christ, to know what he's called you to do, who he said that is? Because apart from the word and apart from prayer, like it's it's just, it's not, it's not possible. So this year coming in, I I, I was thinking about this, like, all right, so what do we, what do I need? I don't need a 12 step process. I don't need all these, these things. I I just need a simple word from the Lord about it to order my thoughts, to order my, my life as I step into this new year, to order our, our church, like our community of how we're going to try to do this together in this next year ahead. And this is the passage that I think most clearly does that for me. So I ask you, like, are, are there some things that you think the Lord probably needs to prune out of your life? Some things that maybe even good things to make space for the best things, the things that actually matter for eternity. Would you be so bold as like just pray there, right there under your breath? Like, Lord, I'm willing to let you prune me. I'm willing to let you take some some, some things away so that the best things, the most important things, can flourish. Would you pray there, right there where you are? And secondly, if, like this this concept, this, this promise of of producing fruit, like if, if I want to produce fruit in my life, in my family, in my church, in my community, in my world, then it doesn't come from my effort. It just comes from abiding well in Jesus. So would you pray that? Like if you're a Christian in the room, say, Lord, help me to abide well. These next 12 months, Lord, just help me, like teach me how to, how to abide well, how to cling to you, white knuckle grip cling to you. And I'll trust you with all the fruit. And last, if you're not a Christian, or, or Austin and Emily are going to come least time response, but like, if you're not a Christian, if you're one of these, like one of us, I think a lot of us were probably there at one point or another where we, were, we knew the name of Jesus. We even maybe claimed Jesus, but we weren't following him. We weren't abiding in him. We weren't, he wasn't our Lord. We were still our Lord. If that's you, my prayer for you is that you would have a conversation with somebody about that. And I know it's a terrifying thing to ask somebody about. It's like, hey, I've, I've been around church my whole life. I've been in Christianity my whole life. I'm not sure I've actually trusted Jesus to be my savior. Would you be so bold as just pray that prayer right now and say, Lord, would you give me the boldness to talk to somebody about the questions on my heart, even before I leave today? I'm, I'm praying for myself. I'm praying for myself that I would allow the Lord to do that work of pruning, um, I would allow the Lord to take some things out of my schedule, out of my, out of my day so that I can let some stuff flourish. And I'm praying that I'm going to abide well. And I'm praying that same thing for you. So let me pray for you. And then I'll send them. They're going to leave. So Lord, um, I, I I'm, I am really excited about this, this year to come, Lord. I, I am. And I'm, I'm, I'm trusting that you're going to continue to do what, do what you do because you've promised that your steadfast love and faithfulness is never going to fail. And so, Lord, I, I need, and I think all of us need, we need you to do this work in us of pruning, of convicting us of some areas and some things that are, that are robbing us of our time, robbing us of our energy, robbing us of our resources. And they may be good things, but they're not, they're not the things that you're calling us into. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to set those things aside, which is not gonna be easier necessarily even fun, but Lord, would you give us the wisdom, the courage, to let you do that necessary work of of pruning those things out of our lives. And God, secondly, I I, I pray that rather than trusting in my own discipline and my own strength, my own plans, instead of getting to set my own goals and my own aspirations, Lord, I pray, instead of all that, that you would help me just to, to focus on abiding well that you would help each one of us in this room to fixate on this idea of clinging to you and trusting that you're going to produce fruit in through us if we'll be faithful to do that. Lord, we want to see our lives used to, to draw people to the kingdom. We want to see people trust you as savior. We want to see disciple makers raised up. We want to see our church grow and flourish and have impact across our city and the world. Yeah, we're trusting that the way that that's going to happen the way that's going to transpire is not through our, our wisdom and our grit, but through abiding in you really well and trusting that you're going to produce that fruit. That's hard for us, Lord, but help us to trust you with that. I got to pray for every one of my friends in the room who's not a believer yet, even if they've maybe uh, been around church their whole life, they've never trusted you as their Lord. They're not following you, they're still following them. God, I pray that you would, by your spirit, that you would draw them to yourself. I trust you as their savior. That you take away that burden of their effort, that you take away that burden of them trying to prove their own identity, their own worth, and that you'd just replace that with your goodness and your mercy and your love for them. And all these things, we trust you. That's your son's name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand with us?